This podcast is brought to you by my company, DC Music. Uh, music publishing, music supervision, music education. Find out more at dannychampion.co.uk. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to the Behind the Music Business podcast. Uh, my name's Danny. I'm the host of this podcast. I am a music supervisor, music publisher, music educator, or music business educator, rather. And this is a music industry podcast where I discuss the careers of music industry professionals throughout the UK music industry, finding out about their journey in the music industry, about their motivations for getting to where they've got to in the music industry, and everything in between. Uh, This episode is with the General Manager and Chief Policy Officer of the Music Publishers Association, Lucy Caswell. I really, really appreciate Lucy finding the time to fit me in. She's a very busy person at the moment, especially with what's been going on in and around the creative industries over the past few years. And it was an amazing chat. It was a really enlightening chat. As someone who is launching his own music publishing company at the moment, it was a really, really great conversation to have with someone who is at the very top of the association that governs, that represents, that looks after music publishing companies in the UK. So we talked obviously about her time there and what Music Publishers Association are doing, but also her career up to this point, um, where she's been through the the areas of the business, very licensing focused, and also some of the stuff that she's doing outside of the music industry and how she juggles kind of some of the personal stuff with the more professional stuff. So here is my conversation with the General Manager and Chief Policy Officer of the Music Publishers Association in the UK, Lucy Caswell. How are things going at the MP? It's been an interesting time (laughs) for the past year and a half or so. Um, So how are things at the MPA at the moment and kind of kind of describe a little bit about your specific role at the MPA, if you could. Sure. Well, the the MPA to start with, perhaps I should say the Music Publishers Association, we are a minefield of acronyms. Um, is as there are many trade bodies as there are acronyms in this business that this is the uh, membership organization for music publishers um, of the UK and that's from we have sole traders and some of the the oldest most iconic independents through to the international majors so everyone's welcome everyone is in the business of uh, the songwriting side of, of the music industry and everyone working to help support develop um finance uh, songwriters um so as you might imagine that's of all sorts of shapes and sizes of business genres um interests some more focused on the digital market the administration the investment or the live all sorts of different interests in that sort of area of talent so um the last year and a half has been uh okay for for some in as regards obviously the increased use of online media um we uh, but i would say this with the caveat that of course everything royalty based takes some time to flow through so whilst last year might have been all right for some um of course the real effects of, of some changes will take this and next year to come through so if you think about how many shops pubs clubs retail spaces have been shut you can relate that directly to the forward revenues of music publishers, um, songwriters, artists, etc. So um, that's been a huge shock to the system. Um, And as yet, as I say, to show its full colours, I think. At the same time, where there's been, obviously, people have refound Netflix and every other platform, others are available, um, but there are other uses of existing works in general entertainment that will have um, done well or, or perhaps at least allowed the wheels to keep turning. 
the, mm-hmm. there was quite a dip for others who really rely on sync as well though or scoring and composition because the stu- studios yeah. were closed so nothing new was getting in nothing new was getting made and some commissions were dropped so take with one hand give with another i suppose in that world and actually we were very grateful to hear that not only the the studios but the production studios were opening through the various lockdowns because then both the songwriters could develop but the works could get monetized um it's an interesting yeah. it's an interesting one that my my wife works in my my wife works in television she, here in yeah. in Bristol so it was actually and my my background in music is is in sync yeah. and as as a music supervisor so it was really interesting to see because we were obviously both working from home yes of course um, before yeah. before our tiny human arrived right. um, earlier this year exactly. but it was really fascinating for me to see kind of what the impact was on the television yeah. side of things rather than the music side as in you know how much they were having to to tweak things how much they were having to go right what can we do with this idea we've got these commissions we've got to make something how can we make it in a in a safe environment how can we make it um creatively interesting yeah. so i think from from my from my music side of things and she gets way too much free consultancy from me. i should start charging <laughs> i'm sure it works it's, tricky, it's a tricky conversation yeah. to have over the over the breakfast table um but yeah, it was really interesting to see the, the impact and how and how the the tweaks were happening on that side of things mm. to try and to try and make and how much of it was new content versus how much of it was was repurposed old stuff, which is obviously not useful or helpful. Well, it's fantastic for the repertoire if you are already in something and the world is locked down in front of Dave or the like, then great. Um, and and songs are a long business, you know. They they keep they keep living those lives. However, both for the the sort of entertainment creatives and the supervisors, and for the publishers, it's it's a platform for new talent. And whether you're creating something for the content or it's finding something to give air to new um, repertoire and new writers, then no studios is is a big problem. So. That, and that sort of that cycle has um, sort of come through. So perhaps some things that, that were delayed may now be taking off. And as I say, in the timeline of, of how the money flows through, some things may catch up with others in that way. And we've just changed habits rather than lost them. But without yeah. a shadow of a doubt, you know, we, like every other part of the music business, are uh, connected to the live scene and um, touring. And that has been hit harder than, than anything else, along with hospitality and um, particularly mm-hmm. actually for classical publishers who have a different relationship with life. You know, you invest in for a year in the making uh, of these pieces and orchestral works and scores that actually come yeah. to life in live rather than live being the promotional adjunct. So that's been extremely hard um, for uh, the classical music world. Um, TV and production and, and orchestras, so it makes you realise quite what a multifaceted world it is, and quite what uh, how big the ripple effects have been from COVID. Whilst at the same time, mm-hmm. lots of innovation, lots of digital work, lots of online, um, and now of course the the ad and the sync world coming back to life is really healthy. So fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah, and and your particular role that you right. play currently at the MPA, what yeah. what have you been doing? I guess personally over the past kind of 12 18 months in your in your role who have you been talking to the most what have you right. been mm. keeping busy with very very busy and and i think everyone yeah. who's living in zoomland will never complain about having to get on a bus to go to a meeting ever again you know that sort of mental <laughs> headspace is very much missed yeah. um so I-, I miss commuting do you wow weirdly yeah i just i just kind of I, you suddenly realize how you know that kind of half an hour yeah. to 45 minutes in when you're just kind of on public transport you know just listening to music That's just right. not doing anything else other than just kind of ah, this is this is me before before the day starts you just don't do that That's now, absolutely so I... right and actually the shock of the, the, the do you miss the commute is is probably more about the tube and the rain than it is about that headspace but it, well, we can listen to podcasts, can't we, Sam? So, can, you know, yes. that, that is, and that's another reason, as I say, why I think people are finding other places to work or looking forward to 
some days in the office or working from anywhere kind of culture because it does sort of release your brain from your screen a little. Yes. Um, so my role is uh, yeah. a double header, I suppose. Um, on the one hand, as general manager, I look after the the MPA, the membership organisation sort of operationally, and that's our tiny team, as with all these organisations, doing great big jobs, looking after the 200 publishers. Um, we provide a lot of education courses about, but it resonates with this podcast really, and that it's access to opportunities, careers, what on earth does publishing do and how can you do it? You know, that, that sort of mm -hmm. thing. We have uh, an induction course, which is two days of everything about uh, the different areas of work in music publishing. And we've just done a more intensive day on focusing on international. So bringing in uh, the expertise from around that, those pictures in music publishing and around the world actually um, to share that knowledge is a big thing for the MPA also access to to the industry in terms of widening the demographics um on a very much of a sort of strategic and uh long-term uh change view on in terms of diversity equality and inclusion so a huge piece of work both for us and for guidance uh, for the sector we're working on um we have a lot of communications um trying to work up our, our famous or infamous end of year events as well if we possibly can um, and always enjoyed the always MPA enjoyed Christmas the day lunch. Yes, give a pitch in there. Let's hope um, <laughs> that the messiest deal of the business can happen. Um, so that uh, there are all sorts of things along those lines. Um, the second side of my job is um, it's like grandiose chief policy officer, which means mm. that whether it is lobbying, championing, um, liaising with government on things like recovery from um, COVID impacts through to uh, representing our interests in the various trade deals going on internationally or other international copyright affairs are, are a big focus, and whether it's yeah. China or India or, or Europe. Um, and at the same time, trying to establish our knowledge and our position in new uh, or emerging areas, say, of technology or markets um, or consumption. So. I, I'm a bit of a partly keep the wheels on, partly fight the good fight kind of job. Yeah. yeah. How much how much have you personally been in, involved in the the assortment of conversations with Parliament and streaming these past few months? Well, we approach um, any uh, anything that's involving our sector as a, as a community. So whilst we have um certain representatives obviously speaking for us what's what said the interest of publishers is very much a, a sort of collective view so it's my role has been really part of honing those messages what we need to say what what the the, the priority of the songwriters is uh, a paramount through to looking at the shape of the digital market itself and and how fair is that for for those it should remunerate so um, that's where everything from the copyright knowledge to the political knowledge and relationships really comes into play. And obviously that's been a key piece of work. Um, we're also working with the Intellectual Property Office on a study they're doing about revenues. We constantly talk with our department, DCMS, about the interests of the sector. Um, and again, the, the transparency and the diversity of the market. So I, I get, get again involved whether it's far too long in the copyright world now coming into a different kind of play or it's um, as that sort of government relations and public affairs uh, side of things, which really is the voice of publishers. So I'm, the, I'm in the middle. <laughs> How positive are you for some meaningful change over the coming months, maybe even years uh, for... You know, we've there, there's lots of discussion about ER when it comes mm -hmm. to uh, streaming and things like that. Obviously, that's not necessarily songwriter and publisher. Well, um, focus. Anything that would change the rights management landscape would affect everybody in that uh, yeah. landscape. So, um, whether or not some of the messaging is is uh, directed at publishers, they are part of the ecosystem part of the financing and of course really fundamentally need to, to protect their interests and their revenues so that's where our 
sort of focus obviously lies is in, is in protecting mm -hmm. the interests of the songwriters but also the, the reason for those publishers existing where they are yeah. the, the 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 one woman band or they are the the international majors is to constantly negotiate better deals better returns better opportunities for songwriters and and that's what publishers do so in in that regard nothing changes and actually any so, some forms of uh, intervention in that on a on a one size fits all basis would actually hamper that ability to to consistently fight for for the songwriters and improve uh, everything from sort of rates to messaging. So, you know, that's something mm -hmm. we're very keen to protect. Um, whilst at the same time, would uh, very interested in cases like uh, Epic Apple to see what this current wave of antitrust feeling in governments does to to such an overly dominated market. You know, we would welcome more, yeah, more yeah. competition, freeing up prices, not sitting on um, sort of consumer pricing and, and all of those things that would flow more money in towards the uh, creative industries. So we shall see. How influential or uh, any inquiry, a select committee is, is up for debate. Um, it's been interesting to have the conversations out there whilst at the same time as we've just said you know we have big issues on our desk like the survival of the the live um scene yep. we have big issues like international copyright we have uh, big players that we need to pay us fairly so so it's dividing your time and your minds and and your political capital how are you how because there's obviously there's there's quite a number of uh, associations not too dissimilar to yourself within sure. the music industry um, how are you all at kind of talking to one another and mm. fighting the fight as one I guess that's always the music industry uh, sort of question in some ways isn't it but I, I like that in the sense that everyone has a job to do and a constituency to to um, amplify protect and and express and actually having also worked for everyone from independent publishers, actually also for DSPs, and, and as you'll know before this, with the Featured Artists Coalition, yes, um, have really good, I'm grateful to have really good relationships on what other people might see as all sides of the table, um, and whether you agree or disagree or agree to do both, um, you can have those conversations and constructively and uh, in, a, in a human way that can get lost if you just converse by press release. So I, I'm, I'm glad for um, being able to have those conversations. And, you know, we did all choose this business as our career. So there's an interest in music um, there as a common ground. And perhaps sometimes that needs reminding. Um, yes. But at least we can have those conversations. And UK Music is there, obviously, to, to sort of facilitate a sector in a way that not many other sectors have. So whether it's easy or not, we should be glad that it's there, I think. I've, I've worked in and around music publishing pretty much all my time in the music industry from bit working at teeny tiny music publisher up in Cambridge all the way through mm. to uh, being at Sony ATV and being the head of film and TV at Peer Music for four years. Um, and for the past four or five years, I've wanted to start up my own, I've, I call it to boutique music publisher. Um, I, I see that as kind of keeping things small, not trying to be, uh, you know, to to grow exponentially. Going, no, I I, I want to work with specific artists that I like for in a specific reason. Um, what's the current, from your perspective, what is the state of the industry, the music publishing world like, and is it is it a good time? Um, all things considered, I know that the pandemic mm. has kind of slightly skewed things a little bit, but are there still opportunities out there for people such as myself who want to who want to set up kind of small publishing companies and work work with with talented creators? Absolutely, is is the, sh the very short answer. Um, and actually, on your past, I'm sure we've shared uh, clearance emails in your where us either of us wearing various hats over time. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> I think what's really interesting about publishing, and never more so than now, is uh, what a range 
of things a publisher can be. Um, in the MPA, we have um, incredible sort of one-person organisations like May Music or individuals like Jackie Davidson, right through to iconics like Mute, who, who will always be proudly indie whilst being globally uh, present. So, you know, this is how downtown began and, and look at it now. But that's an, yeah. actually that's a very good example as well of choice in what a publisher can be and what it can offer us to songwriters. So you can be the administrative end, that is probably the best known machine of publishing. You can add all of that creative end is where I started in the studios with songwriters. Um, you can just focus on the sync side, or of course there's the performance. There's whether your works are being performed by the artist or for others or touring or you know the many lives that a song can have. And if you look at the media that we have to our devices to uh, give life to those songs more than ever in a lot of ways or bit barring I said about the the shape of the market um, but you can also be whatever kind of publisher you want to be and this last year has really accelerated everyone's use of, of tech to use music to work with music to administer music and I welcome that perhaps more than anything else um, and it means that whether you're looking at downtown hypnosis or the, or the players that I just mentioned, that's real choice for songwriters. Um, and it yeah. also means as publishers, there's no just one thing that you have to be. And so if you find your corner, there is a community of people doing a similar thing, but it means you can be whatever shape of it you want to be. Are there certain things that you would advise people who, whether they're songwriters who want to set up their own publishing company whether it's uh record labels that want to attach a publishing arm mm. to their to their project yeah is, is there certain advice from you that of of the stages of that what what they should be doing and and in what order well a, a couple of things that would apply to any business i think and i work with enough uh, startups as well to to say the same is is really look at what your what gap you're trying to fill or what your USP is in the market, as opposed to making your life really difficult by being a replica of something or to having to, to, to struggle to, to mark yourself apart. And that can be just in your particular focus of repertoire or expertise, but really knowing what you're good at and what you can define as your publisher will be really mm -hmm. helpful. Um, secondly to that is doing your homework of the market itself. And it, it is very, sort of community-based sector so talk to other publishers they're not proprietary you might be able to accelerate your business through partnerships or by uh, working with somebody who brings other expertise that would save you inventing that wheel um or you might it might help you to hone why you are different and what you want to be so i would mm -hmm. say uh, talking to people finding your niche um a lot of that goes down to what you're good at and you have so much experience in a particular sort of furrow, I would plow it. Um, and then it's it's what network do you have? You know, how can you really make sure that your business is financially sustainable and uh, what territories you want to focus on? The last thing I would say, you know, is 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 the sort of standards you know this is a data business more as at least as much if not more so than any other part of the music business and yeah. whatever the technology is or or may yet be or whoever's holding the rights it, it all starts and falls with the quality of the data that you are managing so um just being the best in class is is a good service to offer songwriters i think yeah, yeah, yeah. how do publishers work with the MPA on a day-to-day -day basis in that sense so rather you know, yeah. the 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 kind of advice stuff the how can I how can I work use my data better is that something that the that you and your team advise on and help out with yes we do either on a one-to-one sort of -one basis I have a couple on my team who who work with our members to answer their questions maybe help unknot some problems or um, connect, etc. Some on the membership side, um, others we also work with, obviously MCPS is part of the group as well. And on uh, my team, we have Sync and Copyright Services, which is our Jamie who can help people really navigate 
whether they want to clear something or whether right sit in something or how to get involved. So we have uh, real humans there to advise on where, how you use your rights and how you get involved in that way. But also there's a bigger layer. You know, we, we do all these events and courses to help inform people and share the knowledge of those more experienced in the business with those coming into it. Um, at the same time, you already have experience. So perhaps a good profile raising exercise for you is to be part of those panels and sessions and conversations. Uh, it's very good to share your knowledge, good for us, but also good for awareness of you in the, in the market, as it were. Um, and we, our membership is open, as I say, to all sorts of shapes and sizes of members, but we also have a membership called NextGen, which is open to individuals entering publishing, whether mm -hmm. from another part of the sector or from education or starting a business. Um, and that's an annual individual basis of the membership, but it gets you into the swim of all of the sort of sessions that we do and in hopefully in future, the more in-person networking events, some of which will be focused on the sync world as well. So knowledge is power, is my answer to growing yeah, anything yeah. and anyone. So get involved, ask questions, be a part of things um, and, and come along. And we could do with your expertise. So uh, everyone, welcome. <laughs> The last question on, on the MPA stuff that I've got is, is now or in the past year when we've all gone online, obviously events and things like that have gone online as well, which has meant that getting to events that are only being held in London or only being held in Manchester um, hasn't been a, hasn't got in the way. So I was wondering, um, moving forward, do you think that there's your your events, do you think you're going to still run them as hybrid events where there is going to be a, an in-person element, but there is going to be an opportunity for those who might, you know, want to get, who want to be involved in one of your uh, two-day events, but just can't get to London for the two days? Do you think that's something that's that's on the horizon or something that that's going to be a possibility now that we've yeah. kind of been forced to do all this stuff online for the past year and a half? I think it's a guaranteed. Uh, it, it's been absolutely fantastic to see. Oh, here it's quite a vertical learning curve when people just say, "Oh, put all your events online," to people who are not digital marketing experts or whatever. You know, so uh, now we're really into the swing of that. And one of the most fantastic things has been how many people it has included, geographically, demographically, financially, yeah. uh, opened a lot more doors and welcomed a lot more people. As speakers as well as attendees you know an event we did last week included people from literally all over the globe which we couldn't draw on before zoom land um, but at the same time attendees who are watching from at least all over the uk and and uh, often much further afield the price is much more welcoming and inclusive um our ability to market it as well and you're absolutely right just turning up to that one day at that expense in that venue in London narrows down your attendees straight away. Um, we will be doing some of those, but even the ones that we do live, we'll, we will look more geographically widely to do them so that we can have an element okay. of inclusivity there as well. Um, so guaranteed continued online presence for all those reasons, perhaps even the majority of what we do will remain on online in the educational side but we're Good. making sure that where we can meet in person we will maximize the value of, of that networking and social side i think that's that's the key obviously it's when, when we're talking to talking to other people in the education sector as well as even talking to booking agents in the live music sector that's kind of it's not replacement it's in it's it's as well as Absolutely. all this stuff it's it's yeah. this like past year has has forced us all to go all right this this is doable and actually it would be great when we can do it as well as doing everything in person because we still need to i mean i i, I for one need, i need to hang around with other people other than my <laughs> wife and my daughter not no slights on them but i just <laughs> i think we there's you know we are people more. Yeah, exactly. We exactly. do. But at the same time, if we have a message of trying to make our sector more inclusive and more accessible, um, then it's part of practicing what we preach. And, and, you know, this 
this sort of enforced use of technology has really uh, shown its value in that regard. So long may that continue. You've you mentioned already that uh, you've start you you started more in the I guess working with the creators, yeah, client right. services type type stuff. But you've also got quite a lot of licensing in in your background. So kind of I guess not not the not not a, 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 a the don't need to go into huge swathes of detail. But I guess what brings you to this to this place in the music business was music always the focus for you and was it always did you kind of fall into the licensing side of things or was it kind of uh you just you you kind of you you found your way in and then you started meeting people and you kind of learnt as as you went along well i mean yes uh, i don't know if it's the same for you but who knew that sync existed before you did it you know um i suppose i I, when starting as uh, as a serial gig goer uh, as a student and trying to find a job that would pay me to do that um, is definitely a music passion and most people in music have come in that way even if they didn't quite know how to get there Um, and yes started being that run around trying to get things in studios done on time and on budget and an awful lot of bar work and tea thrown in to make that happen Um, and I came into a lot of the areas of knowledge that I have by working in indie companies where your job is quite diverse. So you have a focus, but you get involved with sync, you get involved with royalties, you get a picture of how everything works because there's only five of you doing it. So that, which is fantastic mm-hmm. experience. Um, and yes, then from representing repertoire for uh, publishers, I worked in online licensing initially at PRS. And a lot of that work then was in, looking at innovation and uh, new players in the market, so new to the world or just new to the European market, um, which took me into a real interest in innovation in itself, but also a real need to have a better conversation between music and innovation to to help things to work together. Um, So I ran my own business doing that for a while, and that also meant that I then started negotiating rights on all sides of the table that we've mentioned. So different sets of rights, um, both for the the service side as well as the rights holders, um, for the master rights, for the publishing rights, and really seeing a picture of how these things can and sometimes don't come together and how they could and how they should. But that's never left me uh, the point of it, um, which is the music itself, the access to that music and the value of that music. so where I am now, I suppose, brings all of that copyright knowledge together and looks at it on a, on a sort of uh, global or market or, or platform or sector basis to be able to, to sort of uh, push the interest of publishing and songwriting at that level, if not across the table from legal counsel. So was that, was it predominantly sync that you're... No, I spent your kind of licensing background comes uh, from. since um, 2010, 2011, when I was doing online licensing at POS, I've actually focused on uh, digital and online licensing for uh, different DSPs, different services, as I say, for rights holders, uh, um, as well as the services themselves. So actually much mm-hmm. more on uh, the streaming licensing area okay in all of its guises over the last 10 years trying to trying to push the the songwriter side of things because i guess currently it's, now it's i'm on the principal end yes as previously and yeah, that yeah. the knowledge of being able to do that i suppose comes from negotiating those licenses at the table how is how how are those negotiations kind of can you give us a little bit of a peek behind <laughs> the curtain a little bit of those, you know, when you are talking to, uh, you know, a Spotify or an Apple Music about that sort of stuff, how do they, how do they kind of, how do they happen? How do they happen? They, it's a question of engagement and dialogue. That might sound really obvious, but it's not sales. So somebody has a business 
model, someone has a business interest um, and they have a bottom line. Also, you have rights holders that have all of those things, but they also have the principles and the repertoire and the responsibility for someone's intellectual property. So mm -hmm. the, the, it's, it's, a narrative, it's a dialogue of how do you achieve what you both need in business terms whilst bearing in mind monetizing, protecting that intellectual property. So if you can sort of, um, I always think about what, rather than there being a pitch as sales might do, of this is what we've got, take it or leave it. It's more a yeah, question yeah. of how do we navigate from A to B? And different conversations will take you a different route. Different people will have different priorities. You've still got the same premise and you still have the same expectations. But depending on who you have across the table from you and what their interests are, you need to be quite agile about how you achieve what you want to achieve. I guess it's it's an interesting one from from an outsider with a musical mm -hmm. background because obviously teaching students and get kind of getting debates going about uh, about streaming about you know, who has the power is one of the one of the debates that I get going with a lot of yeah. uh, third year students and this idea of you've got um, rights owners that need the DSPs and you've got DSPs that don't own any rights and in that sense you know who does who is the most powerful in that in that conversation and I guess from your from your experience it comes it it's not a one-size-fits-all it's it kind of it moves around depending on who's it's who's not a one-size-fits-all but also it, it, is it is ownership the, the core point or is it actually monetization or is it access to consumers or territories or technology so depending on what the the, the ambition is the, the mm -hmm. power play if you like or, or the interest in the leverage will change and you know this from sync you have the different levers to pull whether it's uh, what's included, how long for, what format, what territory, you know, you have those sort of devices, but you have to bear in mind that the, uh, if you're talking to a completely different business model, it will have different interests um, at heart. So you need to address those as well as achieving what you want to um, achieve. And I think in terms of power, there are different levels. You know, you've got the individual, the, somebody who might feel the smaller, the David against the Goliath, so to speak. Yeah. Um, and there is an element of that perhaps, but also the answer to that has been formed in aggregated licensing uh, arrangements, whether it's ICE or Impel, et cetera, or Merlin on the master side, um, by dialogue between sectors to, to uh, establish their position and their value. So you can, you can sort of shift the power there. I, I think where we as an industry, as with other creative industries, struggle with shifting the power is we have so few gatekeepers that control both the consumer access, the consumer data, the consumer revenues and the platform, uh, the the outlets themselves. And, and that's presumably mm. why they're under scrutiny everywhere right now. So in 2017, you've, you've already mentioned the... the featured artist coalition yeah. as well you kind of went from uh on paper i guess said that this idea of licensing roles um you know negotiating deals that sort of thing to something that looks more similar to what you're doing now this idea of, of representing a whole kind of sector of the industry was that something that you were that you suddenly kind of with with your experience went I want to go and do this or was that just a uh, an opportunity that appeared and you couldn't say no to it oh who would answer a career question without timing being part of the <laughs> computation <laughs> uh, it's always got to be timing but actually there's also thrown into the timing is the respect for who has asked you to be in that conversation. There's uh, the experience you have and how you want to grow. You know, there's only, there comes a point where you think, well, do I do this particular role forever or do I stretch my legs and see it from a different angle? Um, so some of that, um, and, and that all comes in together. You're asked to do something, you push yourself to do more. 
and then of course you can bring your knowledge forward but in a different way on behalf of more people then yes of course you take it to <laughs> you know sort of grit grit your nerves and um and uh, pick up that mantle and given some time given some support and and interest from the some of the incredible people involved in the organizations like the FAC and the MPA I mean that's an incentive in itself years of experience yeah. and talent and I'm just there trying to uh, put that across to other other people you know do you think do you think the 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 day-to-day -day experience that you got from doing those those licensing deals working in in that space really helped when you you know in in some of the some of the conversations that you're having now that are you know they're not dissimilar but they're with different people you know you're talking a lot to to parliament and and that sort of thing do you think that it's just it's kind of a, a gradual step um not up but it's 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 a, it's a step on the same ladder so to speak i think so it's one if you choose to take that route and obviously you know one could go into you could pick a different strand go into the, the technology side into the international or, or into the sort of more diplomatic side i suppose but it uh, absolutely helps i mean it really helps me endlessly and continuously to know how the rights work, how the rights negotiations work and the priorities of the different players in order to be able to have a sensible conversation about positioning and, and priorities now. But even in the licensing stage and then growing into, if you like, the more representative role, um, that came with the copyright directive. It came with lots of uh, changes in technology and services. So there's a point at which all these things actually come together in the world you're working in as well as in the career mm -hmm. that you choose and I find that fascinating anyway I'm a bit somewhere between that music lover and diehard geek so it suits me fine but actually did you, did you actively <laughs> seek out did you actively seek out that sort of thing did you go I want to really know my stuff when it comes to the copyright and things like that because I know that there's you know, music's an, an, an interesting game because you can you can really focus on the creative side of things, which is a lot more subjective. There's not a right or right. a wrong right. to it. And then you can really hammer the the kind of this is what the law is. This is how this works. And there's not an enormous amount of crossover. There's not an enormous amount of people that do both. So were you one of those people mm. that kind of really, mm. really pushed for, or, you know, you, you had a that interest in in the the theory side of of the music business i guess well not not being on the talented side of the music business i think you have to find your path anyway um but yes that, that, that's of great interest to me but also you know i i didn't go to law school i didn't uh wed myself to legal work um early on i've learned the law but i've learned it in the context of music and particularly uh, but not exclusively in, in the digital side. So those are of interest as well. And I think there are a few people like myself who actually see themselves as that translation or the bridge between these different sort of single skill sets. And actually it gives you a great perspective on how they all work together or how they might and why they don't sometimes. Um, so I didn't choose that as a path per se, but I find all those things interesting and I find where I fit um, and, and try to absolutely have all the knowledge that I can around that and work with other people who have more knowledge you know there's lawyers mm -hmm. who, are, who are more um, adept at case law or, or longer in, in the game in that way and know that I'm the sort of if you like the broker in the middle but any negotiation whether it's with a politician or with counsel or with a service is as human a thing as it is a technical thing and, and that's the bit I really enjoy as well. You mentioned that you don't come from a law background are you have you been llming it i have a bit yes but recently in, um, i have i have an erst well llm uh, on the go <laughs> those how's that going no, well, that's, slowly i i have uh <laughs> delayed it for a while with a few things on my plate um but yes. it and actually it's not music based it's human rights um llm um, another area of interest but again thinking if I spend this much time in the law let me fire my brain into something that um, 
uh, I also care about as well. And they're not necessarily separated, particularly when we come no, into no, no, access of opportunities and things like that, just on a wider scale. But again, for some self-inflicted brain testing, yes, I'm doing that as well. <laughs> How are you finding it? Because it's, it's something that I've been mm. investigating into. How have you found the uh, um, juggling the day-to-day <sighs> with... with <laughs> doing yeah. a master's level course in something that's not i'm going to go with not not simple not simple and LLM, for your your sensible listeners who won't do this is is a sort of platform legal masters um it's it's extremely interesting and it's nice to make your brain think about something outside of the day job um, and actually gives you an awful lot of perspective when you do something like human rights about what a problem really is. Um, mm-hmm. But it, the big frustration is time, you know, to, to read more than the surface level and the uh, essential text than the recommended long list that's remained. So, um, so, so time is another reason that it's taken longer for me to, to uh, uh, be able to get to it. But I, in, just in terms of um all of those good things they say about expanding your mind or perhaps making really realize how small my mind is it's a good thing to do but it's, it was definitely something that you did or are doing out yeah. of out of the love Extra. and interest for it rather yeah, yeah it, it was a I fancy doing this now as opposed to i should probably do this <laughs> because of no, all the various other bits and pieces that's uh, going on uh, i'd moment. love to say there was a a constructive point for it <laughs> but no um you know I, I did it out of interest out of a personal uh challenge but also there are other areas that i work and i'm interested in that i would like to be better informed about um whilst at the same time it has some law to do with it a lot of it is isn't uh, sort of more technicalities it's more a question of the mm-hmm. application of the law um, and in very human ways, as I say, and I work in other areas, including with music, that look at uh, human rights questions and opportunities. Um, so it's it's not it's not a million miles away from the day job no, or no, the no. moonlighting, but it is an expansion of that. Okay. Um, <laughs> last question is is very much a, a what's what's ahead? What's um, what's in the what's happening? of note in the next 12 months that can be spoken about that you guys at the MPA that you yourself are really excited about, enthused yeah. about that the the rest of us should be paying significant attention to? Oh, a couple of things. I would say first, you know, the world writes itself sufficiently that we can have our, our big events, then that's what we would love to do, you know, give everyone that sort of celebration of some sense of human uh, normality coming back into play and that will extend from the social um, and sector initiatives through to access to music publishing and careers. Um, We have a big drive on um, career development and equality in that career development as well which goes into another thing which is uh, the MPA as I mentioned is, is really pursuing an agenda of diversity, equality and inclusion and, and in both a sort of systemic and instru- institutional way, but also as guidance for a sector. So we take this as seriously as you possibly could, not least because we recognise the big problem there is in the in the sector to change. And um, lastly, mm-hmm. I think there are lots of things going on from, from rights to technology to our, uh, we have Horizon Planning Group looking down the track and being innovative. Uh, those are all very interesting but the, an overarching premise might just be to really just watch the space for publishing because it has been that studio more behind the scenes than the label side, perhaps too much uh, of late, yeah. but we are in an era um, out of a time and of creative young publishers, as you yourself will be, that really needs to come to the forefront and remind everyone that, that this is where the business starts. This is where the songs happen. So we'd like to really uh, bring that. No songs, no no business. No songs, no business. So we will be bringing that ever forward onto the stage. Thank you so much for chatting to me today. <laughs> Such a pleasure. I'm sure we've got lots of um, 
uh, to gossip to share on on sinks of the past someday as well. But hopefully we'll do that um, <laughs> in in a real West Country or London pub sometime. Yes, yes. No, as I said, as I said um, I'm I'm so appreciative for everybody who who takes some time out to chat to me for this. Um, and so yeah, really, 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 really appreciate you taking the time out. Absolute pleasure. And anyone else who's looking for some more knowledge or some more support or guidance, I would say look at our next gen membership. It's open to everybody. And uh, as, as we said, knowledge is power. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you, Dan. A massive thank you to Lucy for giving me the time. Um, we had to reschedule a few times, but she jumped on a Zoom call. And as with everybody that does this, I'm always really, really appreciative of, uh, of them giving me their time. Um, if you're interested in looking into some of the things that she was talking about, please go to the Music Publishers Association website, which is mpaonline.org.uk. Um, if you're interested in the Featured Artist Coalition stuff that she used to do, that would be at the FAC.org. Um, there'll be loads of links in the episode description and also on Instagram and Twitter and all the various other places that I post stuff about the podcast. Um, if you're interested in getting in touch with me at the podcast, please do so at BehindTheBusinessPod.com at gmail.com uh, also follow me on instagram at dc music publishing uh, find me on twitter at danny champion find me on linkedin um, via danny champion all those sorts of places do reach out as mentioned um, i will be launching my own music publishing company very very soon so check that out at dcmusicpublishing.co.uk once it is up and running um, if you are a songwriter or a band or an artist or anything like that um, interested in some publishing assistance publishing representation um, give me a shout i'll be interested to talk to you and to listen to your stuff uh, thank you very much for listening to this uh, there'll be a few more of these before I take a short break for the end of the year. Um, so until then, thank you very much. See you later.